off the songs Lover by Taylor Swift and Sogo on Instagram yesterday. By the way, I'm rolling. That's Koliak. But you're listening to First Up here on TSN 1050. Posted on Instagram of you and I doing a fake kiss. Got a lot of a lot of positive reaction from my followers. A very cute look at you guys, besties. Not quite like Taylor and Joe Alwyn, but pretty close. Pretty close. I'm sure you'd agree. Lucky guy. Mm-hmm. You're a lucky guy. Me or or uh, or Joe Alwyn. Both. Agree. Both. Agreed. Uh, Joel, because he's been there, done that. You, you're still waiting to see what song she writes about you when she breaks up with you. Uh, t- 20 Fingers pointing out there were 1.2 million streams of that song yesterday alone. Wow. I don't know if that's a big number. I don't know. I, I, that could be par for the course for Taylor Swift mm-hmm. uh, these days following the release of, of a number of new songs. So, anyways, um, interesting note to note of the Taylor Swift stuff. But I think all eyes and ears and everything... Um, with regards to sports fans in Toronto, especially hockey fans, down on Scotiabank Arena tonight where Patrick Kane, future Toronto Maple Leaf, Patrick Kane in the lineup for the Blackhawks after playing 20-plus minutes last night against Montreal, no points. He's probably going to want to put on a show, Coco, for his future team and make a statement. Dubis, you got to give up some assets to bring me in, and if you do... I will reward you with a Stanley Cup. Do you think that's what's going to transpire down at the bank tonight? It's tough to say. I mean, I think uh, Drager pointed out yesterday, or sorry, Chris Johnson pointed out yesterday that because it's a back-to-back, will we even get a chance to to hear any of the guys speak before the game? Probably not. Um, you know, depending on if it's an uh, an optional pregame skate, whether guys show up to the rink or not, and um. Look, I think they're given given where we are in the season and how close we are to the, to the deadline. You'd be a you'd be foolish if you're Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane not to expect the questions to come your way. If there's a chance to to talk to one of these two players today, so um, you know they have to understand what's probably coming. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of buzz in Leafland considering. The report that I shared yesterday about Patrick Kane, and um, I don't think anybody should be surprised by it. I mean, Patrick Kane has talked about his comment that on, on this Maple Leafs team in the past, saying how you know they're an exciting team to, to watch, exciting team to play for. Believes that they're a team that's that that uh, has assembled a team that can compete, and uh, given his relationship with with a guy like Austin Matthews. And if this guy's desire is still to go and give it another playoff run, shouldn't surprise many that the Maple Leafs are probably a, a, an option for Patrick Kane if he decides to choose the trade route. If he decides to choose the trade route for sure, and maybe, I think the question is, like, would the Leafs have interest in bringing Patrick Kane in? And if they did, what would it cost? First, let's hear from Austin Matthews, who is expected to make his return tonight with skating on a normal line on the power play. So uh, he looks good to go heading into the game against the Blackhawks this evening. Here is Matthews on the possibility of his American comrade, Patrick Kane, getting traded. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it'd be a little, you know, weird, but um, I think it's it's uh, it's been weird kind of not seeing them in the playoffs too, you know, because uh, you know the runs that they had, and obviously uh, you know a little bit of a rebuild for them the last few years, but um, you never know what can happen. But um, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's an amazing player, great guy, and um, you know, I think he just wants to play hockey and uh, and compete. So. 
So, Coco, you mentioned yesterday and you mentioned again this morning that based on the people you've talked to, Kane wanted to go to the Rangers, and if not the Rangers, perhaps the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that a fair assessment of the situation? Confirmed, yes. Okay, uh, confirmed. So that that's the case. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me let me revisit this because sure. this was information that I was given prior to the Rangers trading to Tarasenko. This was about a week ago, and then I went on my vacation, so I didn't really have a chance to share it. But what I was told was that if Patrick Kane were to be traded, people close to him have been told that two teams that he has interest in potentially playing in were the Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Has that changed now since one of the teams that he had uh, a desire to go to has basically filled that position with Tarasenko. Patrick Kane commented on that when asked over the weekend how he felt about the Tarasenko trade. And he said basically it sucked because that was a team that he was, you know, potentially eyeing, you know, if, if the potential of him being traded was to be there. Can the Rangers still make it work if he comes out publicly and says it? That's up to them to decide. But... Has he done some more thinking about it? You'd have to think, yes, 100% he's done. Has that changed the way he feels about potentially the Maple Leafs being a destination? I don't think so. I don't think it has because there's a fit there. There's a fit there for the Maple Leafs playing alongside Austin Matthews, playing on a team that he potentially views that could be a playoff contender. I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon. Now, let's let's work under the assumption that Kane wants to play for the Maple Leafs. He'll instruct Kyle Davidson and be like, all right, I want to go to the Leafs. Can you work out a deal? And I think any deal between tri- Chicago and Toronto would have to start with significant salary retention, right? Kane, his cap hit is $10.5 million. He's a pending unrestricted free agent. So let's say Chicago is willing to retain half of his contract. So that brings it down to 5.25. What do you think the cost is for the Toronto Maple Leafs to bring in Patrick Kane, knowing, both sides knowing, that potentially the only team that he will be traded to, will be willing to accept a trade to, is Toronto? Is that a first-round pick? Is that too much, considering how Kane has played this year? Do you think it's more? I I, I have no idea what the answer to that question is. Uh, Look, I I don't either, but... If if we're playing control freak again, and I'm mm-hmm. the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know I'm the only team bidding for Patrick Kane because I know that he's the like we're the only team he wants to go play for. Why am I going to give up the prices and the pieces that a team like Chicago is is desiring for a Patrick Kane trade? To me, if if Patrick Kane. His only option is, I want to go one place and one place only. Well, who's in the driver's seat right now? It's not Patrick Kane. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I, I would potentially look at this as a Taylor Hall situation where he, when he got traded to the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins only gave up a second-round pick and a prospect for him. Mm-hmm. So if Kyle Dubas is true to his word that he shared last week when he had his press conference saying, look, I'm not interested in trading my first-round pick for a rental, and I'm not interested in trading my top prospect for a rental player. Well, then stay true to your word and basically let the leverage come into your seat and basically present an offer that you're comfortable sharing, but not the offer that 
the 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 Blackhawks ultimately want for a player like Patrick Kane. That's the way I'm playing it. I mean, why, sure. why why am I going to play with the leverage into their hand if I know I'm not negotiating against anybody else? You could also look at it the way like Chicago's like, listen, we're not going to trade him unless we get this, and and they might be bluffing. You never know, and they, they're under no obligation to trade Patrick Kane. They could keep him. Like if the Leafs are like, we'll give you a third round pick. I'm sure Chicago's like, no, we're good. We'll just keep him. And I think that's probably would be the right decision for the Blackhawks. But let's just assume the Leafs do have interest in him and, and they want to bring him into Toronto and everything works out. And, I mean, just think about the hype machine surrounding Kane to Toronto. <laughs> the number yeah. of Kane jerseys that would be sold if the, this would be somehow materialized would be incredible. I mean, it would be an unbelievable thing for this market, for the content machine that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. How do you think the line combinations would work? And, and what type of role does he have? I mean, you, is Patrick Kane on your first power play immediately? And well, if that's, so, who do you take off? Like, it's just look, a difficult scenario, and that's why I struggle with this idea. Maybe Patrick Kane wants it. Maybe the Leafs want it. But is that mm-hmm. the best allocation of your assets heading into the deadline and the best allocation of your salary cap space? I think if you're playing NHL 23 on Xbox, it makes a ton of sense. 100%. But in reality, I'm a little bit more skeptical. Look, if you're looking to bring in a guy with that type of cap hit, what you would like to do is shrink the cap hit as low as you possibly can. So you'd have to think that there would be a broker team involved in this so that instead of getting them at 575, you could potentially get them at 2, 25, you know, 3 million dollars whatever it is so that you have the the affordability to go out and get another piece because not to say that if if a guy like Patrick Kane is your only option, it would be a missed opportunity because adding a guy that has that pedigree and that profile going into a playoff series of, of knowing what it takes to win is a significant addition to this team. But, you know, you also have a salary cap to work with here. What does that trade look like? I don't even know where to start because I don't know what the market is for a guy like that considering if he only has a limited number of teams to trade for do you, are are you going to be required to pay you know the, the 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 top market price i mean Claude Giroux was a guy last year who pretty much had the same list when he chose where he wanted to go florida was the number one destination of that list now florida gave up a first a prospect and a late round pick to to broker his deal to shrink his salary down. Does it look like that? I would have to imagine it looked like that, but I'm not tossing in Matthew Nyes. No, 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 no. Or a first-round pick for that. I mean, maybe, maybe well, no, you do a first-round pick. You, no, look, you do, I, I, think I think you do it for a first-round pick. I, I, think, I think Dan Rosen said it best yesterday. He goes, the value people put on first-round picks is, is, is pretty um, – what's the word that he used? Um, well, it's just – it's just it's just too much. There's too much value on the first round picks. Well, and I, I think for some teams, more so than others, like for Toronto, they have a wit. They're the like, what third or fourth best team in the NHL as far as points go this right. year. They're having a great right. season. They've got Austin Matthews and William Nylander under contract for 18 more months. You gotta you gotta go for it at some point. And is Patrick Kane going for it, or mean are you investing in a guy who's prime is behind him and i don't know the answer to this Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure many people do but patrick kane's playing a ton of minutes for chicago if he's not healthy that's not reflecting in his ice time and it is reflecting in his production and people are saying well he's on a terrible team he's not playing with any players 
there's been a lot of guys in NHL history who have put up big-time numbers playing first power play, first line, getting 20-plus minutes a night without exceptional players around him. But I will say, you know, let's just say, hypothetically, your top line is Bunting, Matthews, and Marner. Your second line is Kane, Tavares, and Nylander. You're, you're feeling pretty good about your top six. It looks, sounds like an all-star team. It sounds stupid. Absolutely but, you are. And I think you also need to contemplate, do you want Kane? Do you want O'Reilly? Do you want Meyer? Do you want a defenseman? Do you want mm-hmm. a defenseman and a forward? Because you can't have it all. If you're going out and getting Kane, that's your move. That's your splash. And would you rather Meyer? Would you rather O'Reilly? I mean, I think you have to say you'd rather have Meyer than Kane, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, he's got 31 goals. He's younger. And, yeah. I mean, it just may, and I guess he is under team control next year, too, albeit on a weird qualifying offer. You know, and, but, I mean, and, and, there's also the allure of Kane that really is – it's kind of like tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. And it's less for Kyle Dubas. 100%. Like, the, the, the excitement of adding a superstar talent like, like a Patrick Kane, a guy that has literally won a con Smythe. He scored the game-winning goal to clinch a Stanley Cup. He's, 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 a, he's a game-changing type of player because he's got game-changing abilities. Now – does he still have that at the at the with the way that he's playing this year at the age that he's playing at at the pace that he's playing at look that that's the gamble you take on a guy like that but the gamble you also take is understanding the impact he could inject into your lineup with a fresh motivated situation of him to win right i mean <laughs> h- how much is how much does hockey really excite him playing in in chicago last year and this year right i mean that's ultimately what you have to factor but look if, if austin matthews can be a guy that spearheads this situation because he's having conversations with him uh behind the scenes that's what you have to ultimately bank on and if you're bringing him here you're playing him with austin matthews you're not you're not playing him on the second line with with Tavares and Nylander, and that's no shot at Michael Bunting. It's just you don't make a move like that to to not play him with Austin Matthews. So, look, I, I think the the idea oh, of so this cool. the idea of this excites <laughs> a lot of people. But look, I, I don't necessarily think the Maple Leafs need to go, you know, big name hunting at this deadline. You need you need to find the right the right name hunting. What is that? Goodwill hunting. I, I, well, sure, call it goodwill hunting, call whatever hunting you want to call it. But, I mean, the, the you, you know, again, we talked about it earlier in the show, about the blueprint of what the, 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 the Colorado Avalanche did last year at the playoffs to give themselves the best chance to win. I ultimately think that should be the blueprint that the Maple Leafs try to follow. We'll get Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst, his thoughts on the Kane idea, what the Maple Leafs should be looking for, and... Looking ahead to the Leafs and the Blackhawks tonight. Uh, he's up in about 30 minutes' time. We've got Bang or What on the other side. Plus, Buster Olney makes his return to the program in about an hour. Buster live from Dunedin at Blue Jays camp for ESPN. Can't wait for that. That's up again in about an hour. We've got Bang or What next on First Stop. Ready. Set. React. It's Bang or What? Will this segment end with a bang or a what? Oh, it's going to end with a bang, no doubt. Welcome back to First Up. Karolnik, Koliakovo, Christy Avero behind the glass, our man Cheese. All control here on the program. He is the producer of the program and the host of Bang or What? 
What's on the docket this morning, Cheese? Cheese. We're going to start with a little bit of smack talking. If you are going to go out in public and chirp one of your opponents, you have to be a better caliber of player than Juju Smith-Schuster is. Bang. Absolute bang. When I saw this, I was like, what? What's this guy doing? Like, who is this guy thinking? This guy had three touchdowns this year. Three <laughs> touchdowns, okay? And now this guy is acting like he was the hero in the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl because he had a ref help him out in making a call through a flag when he didn't even know if he was held himself because he didn't react like he was held on the play. The only reason why he commented on it is because the ref threw the flag. He watched the video after. It's like, oh, yeah, the guy held me. For sure he held me. Come on, man. Juju Smith-Schuster, get your head out of your ass, you pigeon. <laughs> so just to explain what's what's going on here, Juju Smith-Schuster yesterday on Twitter trolled James Bradbury. You mentioned, Coco, the holding call uh, late in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. Smith-Schuster posted a Valentine's Day card on Twitter that said, I'll hold you when it matters the most. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a big-time troll job. It's a pigeon move, and I, I'm with you, Coco. A huge what? And we saw a number of NFL players clap back, as the kids say, at yes. Smith-Schuster, and rightfully so. I mean, it was completely uncalled for. Listen, buddy, you're a Super Bowl champion. Great. But, I mean, you don't need to be taking shots at James Bradbury like that. I mean, completely... No. Completely uncool, and I'm sure he regrets here's the thing. it too. Here's the thing. Just like the rest of the world comment, I don't care what Bradbury says. Most of the world would have been totally fine with no call being called on that. No call. If there's no flag called on that, what relevance? No, we're, we're, did, did... we're not. We're not relitigating the call. We're talking about what uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had to hear say. Me on. Out. What I'm saying is, if there was no call made on that play, what relevance did did Juju Smith-Schuster play in the Super Bowl? Oh, he had, a, no, he had a number of catches in the second half. What do you mean? He was like 6 for 55 or something. Oh, 6 for 55. Oh, big deal. Did he make a big play in the Super Bowl? Yeah, he actually made a number of third-down conversions. So, yes, okay. the answer is yes. He actually had a really good game. If that day, if that play didn't happen, would anybody be talking about Juju No, well, no, of course hey, not. I mean, he's not, he's not a superstar, but don't, don't, don't try to say he had no relevance in the Super Bowl. That's just he not did true. it. He didn't. I just, laid, I just laid out how he did, but okay, sure. Chris uh, Moore geez. had more relevance in the Super Bowl than oh, Juju Smith-Schuster because oh, he had Moore. scored a touchdown. Chris Moore, someone who doesn't exist, had more relevance in the Super Bowl. Sky Moore. Sky okay, Moore. Okay, nice. Well done. Yes. What's next, Cheese? You pigeon. Yeah, who's a pigeon? <laughs> Chris Moore. Like, who is that? This guy doesn't even exist. Go ahead. Listen, boys, we got some good weather today, and I know that you guys are going to have golf on the mind, so let's go there. Oh, Tiger yes. Woods, he's going to win at least one more major before he retires. <laughs> come on. That's what? the question? No, come on. There's, no, there's a 0%. Chance. That is are we going to get, fire? are we gonna get well, fired for this? For no, I mean, this? I think it's like the question for Tiger Woods, it's not will he win a major, will he win a tournament, no. will he make the cut? That's yes. the question for Tiger Woods. Will he finish is, in the top 20 in any of these Yeah, exactly. Like, winning majors. I mean, come on. A guy can barely walk. He, he said yesterday, he was asked at his press conference, have you walked 72 holes in four, in four days? And he's like, no. Yeah. So he's going to win the tournament, the Genesis, against Scotty Scheffler and Sean Rahm and Rory McIlroy? Come on. If you expect that to be the case... You're out to lunch. I love Tiger as much as anyone. Thank you very much. It's completely unrealistic yes. to say he's going to win another major. Now, could he win another tournament? Could he win, like, no. I don't know, some no. you know, 
other I think it's possible to major is a massive stretch. And to quote Al's brother, just don't see it happening. I'm going to say no, what? It's not happening. It's not happening at all. And uh, I, I think Tiger playing this weekend will definitely get a lot of people's attention. It'll probably be the most watched golf uh, you know, ev- event because of it. But let's be honest, man. We've been saying this for years. It's not the golf that people question with Tiger Woods. With Tiger Woods, it's the endurance. Can this guy endure four days of competitive golf with walking on basically one leg? And it sucks to say that about one of the, not one of the best, the greatest golfer of all time. But it's the reality we live in, man. It mm-hmm. really is. And, and look, I'll still advocate for Tiger Woods if he wants me to be his, his publicist. I will advocate, say, get this guy a cart, let him ride a cart, swallow your pride. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to question you about your pride and what you represent for the game of golf. If you riding a cart allows everybody to watch you play at your best, sign me up for it. Because I'm pretty oh, sure I think, the rest I think, of the world I think, I think would every, say the same thing. Yeah, the rest of the world would, would say the same thing, except Tiger Woods would not say the same thing. Anytime he's asked about, well, no, I sure. I mean, anytime he's asked about a cart, the scowl he gives, like, no. That is yes. not happening, and he's too proud. He's too proud, and I think I actually I really, I really admire that. I admire a lot of things about Tiger Woods, and I can't wait to see him tee it up. Did you he's see, playing uh, with Rory and JT three oh four p.m. tomorrow. Yes. I can't wait. Nice. Do you think they did that purposely to stick it to live? Um, no, those are Tiger's boys. I mean, Rory and JT are two I know, of his best friends. That's what friends. I'm saying. Like those guys have been the most outspoken on behalf of Tiger when it comes to anything that has come their way from McElroy like, for sure like did you see the the latest proposal from live golf from Mickelson about how I don't even know if it was from Mickelson it were was it from a golf writer that basically said that if the golf if, if the golf heads were smart they would create a PGA versus oh, live yeah. sort of uh, Ryder Cup thing because sure. and Tiger basically said the reason why Phil is saying that is because it would be the only way they would actually get any exactly any, any traction and live is a complete non-factor right now the pga tour is humming and this yes. week at riv the genesis open should be a lot of good theater we never got a chance to talk about the streaker at the waste management mm-hmm. what a scene he was doing some serious damage he was all over the place he's climbing on the signs he's he was doing the stripper pole on the golf flag but Shout out to him. how about him jumping into the water and swimming to the waste management logo in the middle of the pond like if he wanted to stay there he could just stay there like who would go get him yeah, like I can't have to call it. You could have to call the emergency <laughs> boat crew to, to come in and pick him up. I mean, I don't think any of the portly police officers so are swimming out there. But was yeah. he chosen as one of your winners of the weekend on Monday? No, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan. I don't support streakers. I definitely don't support streakers. Uh, but it was quite funny. Not a winner. Not a winner. But uh, definitely entertaining nonetheless. What's next, Jeez? Maybe they need some gators in the pool. He probably wouldn't jump in. (laughs) He wouldn't be jumping in, I guarantee you that. I was in Florida watching this, and I literally golfed four days straight surrounded by gator-infested ponds. And all I can think to myself is when that guy jumped into the pond, I'm like, wait a minute. That's in Arizona. Like, are there gators there in that pond? I don't <laughs> fortunately, know. Like, fortunately for him, there were not gators. Uh, I think you'd know pretty quickly if there were <laughs> crazy idiot jumping in the water. Stupid Go ahead, Cheese. People. 
by this time next year, ya- Jacob Pertle, excuse me, will be universally considered a key member of the Raptors' core. Bang. I'm going to say bang to that. Look, the Raptors don't make a move like this with the intention of not keeping him here as part of the core moving forward because as they saw yesterday and as they're probably going to see for the rest of the season, the impact of having a guy like that in their lineup, which they've been missing the last three years. I mean, since the title run, they have not replaced the center position and definitely not been able to find somebody as skilled and as athletic as a guy like Pirtle is. And remember, to them, this is more of a of a of a pride person that they're choosing because he was a guy they drafted they tried to develop they packaged them in for Kawhi Leonard so it's kind of revisionist history with with Pirtle where there's a little bit more of a sentimental feeling for them knowing that he's one of their own yes um Pirtle will be part of the Raptors core he's going to sign a long long-term extension I mean, it's not like, you know, the critical core. That'll be Siakam and Scotty Barnes, maybe OG Ananobi. But Pirtle will be a starter, play the five for the Toronto Raptors for a long time. And I'm sure, certain, they'll sign him long term. Especially after his massive evening last night. 30 points, 9 boards, 15 of 17 from the field, and 6 blocks. Those are accomplishments not done since 2004, Shaquille O'Neal. That's right. Pirtle and Shaq. Two peas in a pod. <laughs> Raptors beat the Magic, 123-113. Dave Poulin in about 15 minutes, and we'll tell you how big of favorites the Toronto Maple Leafs are tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks, a number we have not seen in quite some time. That's Bet and Breakfast, and it's next. It is the Leafs and the Blackhawks tonight. Chicago playing last night in Montreal. They lose 4-0. And, man, they've lost a lot of games of late. And Coco, my guess is they're going to lose a number, a significant number more of them uh, heading into the second half of the season, considering all the names they have on the trade block. And if you look at FanDuel tonight, my goodness, the Leafs minus 520 hmm. favorites and gentlemen, did buy the glass. Did we find out if that's the biggest number of the year? Cheese, anyone? I don't know if you guys actually looked at that, but um, that I mean, it's got to be close, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine there's too many instances of minus five twenty favorites. I can't think of anything. <laughs> in the national, we'll talk to our boy Jingles, Jingles okay. from Covers dot com. He's going to find that information out for us. But I mean. Everything's setting up for another massive letdown for the Leafs as a huge favorite. We saw it on Saturday night against Columbus. It better not happen again tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks, against a team that basically has nothing going on right now. No, I mean, they just come off a shutout loss to the Montreal Canadiens. And don't look now, but the Montreal Canadiens have reeled off three games in a row. I don't know how with all the injuries that they have in their lineup, but they've got some young players that are coming in, injecting some life and some energy into that group, and they're playing hard. And I can't say the same thing about the Blackhawks. I mean, the Blackhawks just look like they're a bunch of players just waiting for changes to happen. And I don't know how much that motivates them, you know, coming to play in Toronto. There's, you know, everybody gets gets up for playing in Toronto and coming off an embarrassing effort like they had last night. Does that give them a little bit more juice to, you know, create an upset? Who knows? But, look, we, we should be focusing on the Maple Leafs here. They're coming off of a disappointing loss on Saturday to the Columbus Blue Jackets, where they plays them played them back to back. They had the outdoor practice, and and um, reconnected with the community in Toronto at Nathan Phillips Square on Sunday. And they've had a couple of days now to sort of 
prepare for this. And yesterday we saw some of the preparation take another step where we saw some line juggling. Uh, Justin Hall finds his way out of the lineup for tonight's game. Tim, Connor Timmins comes in and Sheldon Keefe touched on that, um, basically saying that, you know, he wants... Actually, let's listen to Sheldon Keefe talk about switching Hall out for Timmins. Let's hear it from his, from his mouth. I've been wanting to get Timmins in, and, and it becomes harder to do when we're healthy on the back. So you want to keep him involved and in the mix, and, and, but it's competition, and in that mix you've got to try to find guys to, to move in and out of the lineup. And, and you know, uh, for me, I think there's, you know, I've talked to Justin at different times, and I felt this, his game at times has been tremendous and has helped us through some real tough times with injuries and he's been a real constant for us on defense in terms of his contributions but at times it's also slipped and and to me the other night was one of those nights and when you're looking to get a young guy like Simmons in and you want to keep him going you're looking for someone to take out so don't give me a reason that's the perfect line right there. I love that As, as a head coach when you have healthy bodies right now, the message is either you play the way you're supposed to play and to play you the way this team is supposed to, the way they're supposed to uh, create success, or don't give me a reason to, to replace you. And for Justin Hall, like I, I think he said a lot of great things about Justin Hall, and it's true. The guy has played tremendous for the Maple Leafs at tough times during this season. It happens. You're going to have that slip in your game now. It's a, you know, you get out of the lineup, you do your bag skate, you refocus, you reset, and you get ready to come back in the next time you come back in. Because with eight healthy bodies, they got to find a way to get Jordy Ben in. Does that mean nights off for guys like, like, uh, Sandine, like, like Mark Giordano, like TJ Brody, who could be nag, dealing with some nagging things? We'll see. But, you know, that's the way the defense is going to look tonight. It's, it's Brody and Riley. It's Giordano and, and Lilligren. There's a lot of familiarity there. And then it's Sandine and Timmins uh, in the bottom pair. But there was some line shuffling as well with the forward group as Alex Kerfoot makes his way back into the top six again. Mm. Is this, you know, do you look at this move as sort of a showcase? Or do you look at this move as sort of, okay, well, we need to find a guy to play in the top six. You know, as Yarncroc looked good there for a good stretch, well, now he's sort of tailed off a little bit. Let's put him back into his normal position and try to identi- create an identity line with their third line, Angval, Kanth, and Yarncroc. And then, you know, you, you plug and play with your bottom line, your, your, your fourth line with Aston Reese, Holmberg, and, and, and Joey Anderson. So... You know, Kerfoot to me is is an interesting player to watch because he's had a very underwhelming season, um, considering all the opportunity that he was given early on in this season to play in that top six. But he's found a little bit of a of a nicer role in the bottom six, where once in a while, you know, he's helped contribute on the offense. I mean, he's got seven goals on the year in fifty four games. So, could this help kickstart him? You know, at the can't hurt later can't hurt, stre- that's for sure. l- latter stretch of the season here. You hope so. If not, what? he's the guy that you would potentially look at as a salary filler in case any trade exactly. needs to be worked out, right? Think back to the series against Tampa Bay last year and how crucial the third line of Camp, Engvall, and Ilya Mikheyev was. And I think that's probably something 
that Sheldon Keefe and the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to want to replicate this year. And I think Callie Yarncroke will ultimately play the role of Ilya Mikheyev on that third line. So the question is, can Alex Kerfoot fill that second line left wing spot, or they do they need to look externally? Is it Timo Meyer? Is it Patrick Kane? Is it somebody else? I don't know. But I think they're going to give Alex Kerfoot a little bit of a run here, and I think that's the right call because... I mean, I don't know. Do I think Alex Kerfoot's a, a top six forward against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs? I guess he, he might have to be. But I think in an ideal world, that's a spot that Leafs will be looking to upgrade. And they're going to give it a look starting tonight against Chicago. We'll get into that with Dave Poulin. A ton of trade buzz in the NHL, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are not only reportedly of interest to Patrick Kane, but they have interest in Timo Meyer and perhaps others uh, who could be moved before the deadline on March 3rd. And we'll get into that with Dave Poulin on the other side, our TSN hockey analyst. You're listening to First Up. This is TSN 1050. This is Leafs Breakfast. It is indeed Leafs Breakfast here on First Up. You're listening to TSN 1050, Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo. And as we do every Wednesday morning, we welcome in our good friend and TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin to the conversation. What's happening, Dave? Gentlemen, don't give me a reason. Just don't give me a reason. That's what I'm going to start with this morning. <laughs> you know, as he said that, and I, and I heard I heard the audio as well, which is even better than reading it, I was thinking about famous coach lines, and that is one of them. I mean, it, it just is. You know, it's up to the players. And you right. tell the players that. It's up to you. I'm not making the lineup. You're the one that's making the lineup. And I, I heard a great one yesterday. We were having a conversation about, and I'll leave the names out because it's irrelevant, but uh, just a terrific line. And the player said to the coach, he'd asked for a trade. And the coach said, have you actually asked for a trade? And he said, I, I have. You don't like me. And the coach said, no, no, no. I really like you. I don't like the way you play. <laughs> I really like you. Yes. <laughs> so when I heard Sheldon Keefe say that, uh, it is up to the players, guys. I've always maintained that. And, you know, coaches make decisions based on what they see, based on it's not a personal thing with a coach. He wants to win in his mind. And, and I think this is an interesting move at this time because it's also – it's not only a vote of confidence for Connor Timmons, it's also a test for Connor Timmons. Because when he's had his opportunities in the past, it's been because there was an open door. And now there's an opportunity and there's not an open door. They've, they've moved a regular out of the lineup for you. And that's a different sort of pressure on a player. When he goes in just because there was an injury and because he was available and because, you know, he was a right shot, I don't think there's the same kind of heat. Now, when you go in and they're in healthy defense and they're choosing you to be a part of the lineup, I think that's a different type of test as well. So not only is it a test um, you know, for the player on playing, but it's a test mentally for the player. Dave, you mentioned Timmons coming in for Justin Hall. We also see Alex Kerfa moving up to the second line in place of Callie Yarncroke, who moves down to the third line. He'll be playing with Camp and Engvall tonight. Perhaps a look into what the Leafs' third line could look like come playoff time. How much of this is experimentation for Sheldon Keefe? And I guess in turn, the Maple Leafs' brass. How much of this is maybe looking at different options with the trade deadline two and a half weeks away and being like, all right, is this person capable of playing this role or do we need to look at exploring alternatives? It seems like we've seen everything over the past couple of years. 
really, in terms of what Kerfoot can do. We know he can go up for a short period of time. He can go up to the second or first line for a short period of time. Um, I think it's more about establishing the lower ranks, more about establishing what, what is your third line going to look like. And arguably, you have a pretty good idea who you're going to be playing. And you're already playing in your mind matchup games to see what that third line is going to look like in certain instances. So I think it's as much, it's not as much about Kerfoot up as it is about the third line and seeing how that plays out. And, and if you can really establish that because your first two lines are centered around who they're centered around and arguably there's five of them because bunting's in the mix for sure. And you don't, have the number six locked in. You've got some options there. You've got Yarncroke. You've got Kerfoot. You know, you've got different ways you can maneuver that. This is about the lower half of the lineup, guys, and establishing what you have in the lower half of the lineup. Because as much as everyone wants to swing for a top six guy, and, you know, and we know the names that are out there, what you could say is that the top six have matched off against the other team's top six in the playoffs. It's been the lower tier a lot, the lower two lines that you need more production from and you need the big goal, you need the Nick Paul type of goal or the goals that Tampa has gotten or the goals that Colorado got last year from the lower halves of their lineup at critical points during the game. So I think this is that, that that's what this is about is establishing that third line and then go from there. Dave Poulin, our TSN hockey analyst, our guest here on Leafs Breakfast. Dave, my man, our man, Carlo Koliakovo, making some headlines yesterday in the hockey world when he reported on this very program that he has heard from somebody that Patrick Kane, somebody with a good reputation, let's put it that way. Patrick Kane wanted to play for two teams, the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's work under the assumption that Chicago is willing and able to execute a trade for Patrick Kane. With regards to Toronto, do you think this is a move that would make sense for the Leafs considering what we've seen from Patrick Kane this season? Well, not assuming what you're going to give up and assuming, and this is a huge assumption, that you're going to be able to fit the money in. Um, anyone would welcome Patrick Kane. Anyone. I mean, you can't, you know, anyone would think about the options you now have on plugging him in. And I think he still has significant runway left. And, you know, with Patrick Kane, he, like Vladdy Tarasenko, holds the cards because of the no-move-no-trade piece. And people asked about the return that St. Louis got on that deal. Well, guess what? Tarasenko held the cards. And, you know, and Kane saying he would want to go to one of the big market teams, now you've got to see you've got to convince Chicago that what you can offer is of interest. And that's what you don't know, guys. You don't know. Now you've taken, ostensibly, in the Kane market, you've taken one of his top choices away in New York. So just by power of elimination, that you know, if, in fact, he were to be interested in Toronto, then that bumps you up in the order. Does your pool of assets that you're willing to trade have something that interests Chicago. And that's what you don't know. I mean, there could be a guy in that pool of assets. You don't know. It could be a, a current player on the team. It could be somebody in their pool who someone in Chicago loves. That's what you have to hope for. Because you'll see deals made. You know, I, I remember having a talk with a GM one day, and he brought up a player's name, and I looked at him with a funny look. He goes, 
I've loved that kid since junior. I'm like, well, he's 27 years old. And he said, I know, but I've loved him since junior. And I swore someday I was getting that kid. And I'm just yeah. looking at him like, you know, he is a man now with a wife and kids. And there's a family that comes with it. And there's a whole bunch of different factors changed since. But that's not the way it is. I mean, people fall in love with players. So you'd have to hope that you can present a package to Chicago that someone in the Chicago organization convinces that group that that's where it goes. But Patrick Kane holds the key to this and that if he says to Chicago, here's where I want to go and, and here's the list, but the list has one line on the page and it's written in ink and you can't erase it. And that's where I want to go. Then Chicago has to make a different type of decision mm-hmm. because they're going to, they're going to lose him at the end of the year. He's an unrestricted free agent. So you have to decide what happens at that point. And you'd also think, that with what he's done for the organization, they will do what they can. And But this is probably number two or three on the list. Do what they can for the player to put him in the best possible place. Number one is benefiting their own organization. It always is. They'll tell you whatever they want to tell you, but they have to be selfish. And a young general manager like Kyle Davidson has to say, I have to do it in the best interest of the Chicago Blackhawks. And But all that said, the player controls it with the no-move clause. Pooley, we had Dan Rosen on yesterday, and we talked about this same situation in Chicago with Kane and Taves, and he actually shared with us that he believes Taves is the more valuable piece to acquire. Um, no one's really heard what his desire is to do is is to do yet. But when you're we we just talked about Patrick Kane, what do you think the the possibility of acquiring like a guy like Jonathan Taves is like? I think it would be just every bit as welcome if either one of those guys are coming. Carlo, I mean, you are meeting at the airport. They're sending Carlo to meet them at the airport. That's how important <laughs> What a they welcome are. party. And yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, there's going to be balloons and everything else. And you think of the pedigree, you think of the championship part of both of those players. I, I just think, is Kane going to want to make his move? Kane maybe this is a wrong assumption, but he seems like he has more runway in terms of his play to me. And so is he going to make more of a decision that says, I've got a young family. I want to go someplace where, where the first thing they're going to do is extend me for three years. And I don't know why, but I don't feel that way about Taves. I feel that, you know, that, that Taves is picking a spot where he thinks he can go and win another cup and maybe not worry about next year right now. And maybe that's an unfair assumption, but, Boy, oh boy, walking that pedigree, that leadership through the locker room door at this time of year, where that would take a little bit of heat off your captain, that would take a little bit of heat off your coach, all of those things Jonathan Taves brings, just the presence to walk in the locker room, forget the fact that he's going to win a faceoff um, at a critical moment in the game, and he's going to score a big goal, and he's going to kill a penalty, and you can put him on the first power play. So for every reason possible, either one of those two names you can't tell me there is a team right now in the National Hockey League that wouldn't welcome one of those two guys in a locker room. No one. You know, you might say, well, Boston doesn't want to mess with their chemistry. Chemistry? Are you kidding me? If you could walk a Jonathan Taves in the locker room, you know, Boston would send their Carlo to pick him up at the airport <laughs> if they have one. Who's they do. Who's on Boston, defense. Who's Boston's Carlo? Brandon, Brandon Carlo. Carlo. Brandon <laughs> Carlo. They send Brandon Carlo. They have a wannabe Carlo they would send yeah, to pick him up exactly. at the airport. Exactly. Uh, Pooley, another name that has been um, swirling through Toronto has been Timo Meyer. And just based on what you've seen and what you've heard, how realistic do you think 
that possibility is of the Leafs acquiring a guy like Timo Meyer. I love when a player like that, and I was watching live last night. Uh, I'm in New York. I was with Ottawa last night on the island and so flipped on the NHL network when I came home and talk about a power move by a power winger. <laughs> right. In that game. Holy smokes. 31 goal goals he's got. But the goal itself was end-to-end, and just basically it was a steamroll goal. Like, I'm going to steamroll this puck into the net. For me, that's a different situation. And because that's a trade that you're going to make that's going to change, essentially, the makeup of your hockey team. Because, you know, you've got a, a kid who still is in his absolute prime. And, yes, you have to work out the qualifying offer we know that but you're going to work it out with an extension and you know to give you an example of that type of of thing you could say you know the coach Kaniemi deal was it was different it wasn't that stature of player but he had like a six plus million dollar qualifying offer well they just extended him with a lower AAV and that's what you'd be doing with Timo Meyer. you would negotiate an extension but what it is is a chance to to get a 26 year old star power forward who might be different from your types of players and the the team that that if I'm constructing you know a Timo Meyer deal and I'm San Jose, I might be targeting Jersey because I think he's different from the types of forwards that Jersey has. Mm-hmm. And so you're you would convince Jersey, look, you're going to be a good team for the next five years, six years, but wouldn't you like somebody riding shotgun with Jack Hughes that's six one, two hundred and twenty five pounds and is a power forward? So you're changing. You know, you're going to have to give up some serious, you know, some serious assets to acquire a player like this. But this would be a hockey trade to change the makeup of my team, and that's how I look at that different than I'd look at a Kane or a Taves or or those types of things. This is changing your team, guys. This is this is a decision you're making, and because you don't usually get a 26 year old that's available now, he's available because of the QO and because of what is going on in San Jose right now. But it's a pretty intriguing thought when you think about your ability to swing. The type of change, if you think, you know, if I draw an analogy here, it'd be the type of change that Florida swung on when they decided to move, you know, a 115-point guy in Huberto to acquire Matthew Kachuk. The same, same type of thing, right, in, in my mind, is that Florida thought they needed to change their team to get through the playoffs. And so that's why Timo Meyer is a little bit different. And I think this is, you can make a hockey trade for this player, but you have to have the assets to do it. And on Pierre Lebron on insider trading last night, identified New Jersey and Carolina as two of his top suitors. So, I mean, either of those teams well, at Timo Meyer. One. Yeah. I, I think, Aaron, you look at, you look at Carolina, and there's an example right now, um, a perfect example of a really good team, but would he change their identity a little bit in a specific playoff matchup? I think he would. For sure. I mean, the guy might score forty goals this year. He'd be one of their one of their best players. Might, might. He's well, going to score forty with his eyes closed. Well, he's got thirty thirty one now. So yeah. yeah, it's how he scores them, guys. The way yeah. the way he scored them last night was like a commercial for the trade deadline. James Duffy wants action. <laughs> he should run yeah. this commercial for the trade deadline and said, "Stop, Timu. Don't do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Wait until <laughs> March." Second, and then do it. <laughs> well, the same the same might apply tonight in Toronto. Chicago in town. Kane, Taves, Jake McCabe, Max Domi, amongst others, should be a fun one down at Scotiabank Arena. Dave, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll chat with you next week.
Enjoy your day, gentlemen. You too, pal. Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst. The third hour of First Up. It's on the horizon. The sun is there. I can see it. It's coming up. Buster only will be part of it. So will the veterinarian Frank Corrado. He, and I guess we, will be back with more First Up after these messages.